Good morning, everyone. Uh, the text for our lesson this morning is a parable. And if you have been around the godly playroom at all, really, you might know that parables look like this. There's several reasons for this. First of all, this box looks kind of old and parables are old. They're really old, in fact. They're older than any of us. The second thing is that the box is gold. And gold is really, really valuable. And parables are also valuable. They're even more valuable than gold. And something else you might notice about this box is that it has a lid. And parables are like that too. It's a little like a door and you can knock on it and you can even be really ready to enter a parable. But the parable might not open for you. And that's okay because you can come back to a parable again and again. And at some point it will open for you. Now, the last thing you might notice about this parable is that it looks a little like a present. And that is because parables are presents. And even if you don't know what a parable is, it's yours. It was given to you before you were even born. So since we have established all of these things about parables, the only thing left to do is to open this parable and see what's inside. And to do that, we're gonna have Gary Davis read our scripture this morning. He told another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the largest of all vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds in the sky come and nest in the branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat, wheat flour, until the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. Thank you, Gary. Quite welcome. Now, Chris and I are both going to have some wondering questions about this parable, and I'm going to share a few of them first. The first question I have about both of these parables, both the, the person who sowed the mustard seed and the woman who hid the yeast in the bread, I wonder if those people have names. When James and Sam heard this parable, they decided that it was God that planted the mustard seed and that after the seed was planted, the kingdom grew and grew and grew until it was a kingdom of skyscrapers that were so tall that no one could see the tops of any of them. I wonder if anyone else could be those people who planted the seed or put the yeast in the dough. 
I also wonder what that person or what those people were doing while the tree was growing or while the dough was rising. You know, that part of the story reminds me a lot of my day-to-day -day, um, and what my day-to-day -day has been for quite a while now as a teacher and a mom and a minister. A lot of the tasks involved in these things feel a bit like drudgery. When you're teaching someone to read, for example, you are teaching phonics and skills and you're reading aloud. And if you're a parent in particular, maybe you're reading Goodnight Moon 10,000 times or, um, you know, constantly talking and pointing out words as you see them. And if you're parenting or discipling, maybe you're constantly reminding your children to be kind or modeling good behavior and being that calm presence when everyone else is melting down. And doing that day after day after day can get really, really tiring. Um, and sometimes you can't tell if you're making any kind of progress at all. But then one day you turn around and your student is able to sound out a word or your child shows kindness to their sibling or someone in your life reaches out to God when they're scared and they don't know what to do. And when each of these things happen, it feels miraculous. And you wonder how in the world this has come about. And it is miraculous, um, but it shouldn't be unexpected. I also wonder if those birds that nested in the branches have names and if they were happy to find shelter. And finally, I wonder if you have ever come close to either of these things, not just in your garden or in your kitchen, but really come close to these things. What do you think, Chris? Kind of along the same lines, I, I, I read this parable and I think these parables always ask us or invite us to wonder. Um, one, one of the writers about the parables talked about uh, just not just this parable in particular, but parables in general. This, this commentator called them imaginary gardens with real toads in them. You know, parables are tricky. They don't just mean one thing. It's not, they're not even able to be graphed or charted, but they're whole worlds to walk in. And so I love that Jesus invites us into this world of a mustard seed growing into a mighty uh, plant that is not mighty for its own sake, but for the sake of the birds of the field. I, I love that. I wonder if Jesus is using the mustard seed, which was like a, a famously tiny seed, 
like maybe not the smallest seed that's ever existed, but in his culture, like famously small. I wonder if Jesus was using that like over and against, like to to throw shade on the, these images of uh, oaks and cedars in the Bible, which are always things of might and strength, like an oak tree. And of course, like oaks are important to oak church, right? Um, but like oak trees are famously strong enough to bend in the breeze and even in big storms and not break. Um, and, and yet he's telling a story that the kingdom of God is like basically like a weed or, or like, like I, I think of like kudzu or something like an invasive species. In our yard, we have um, uh, the, those really cool mimosa trees. They're really cool until you have to clean up after all of the fuzzy silks that fall in your driveway or your deck, right? And, and so I think of the mimosa tree as like a mustard tree because it's it, it just if it rains hard for a few days, it's already trying to pop up. It, it's almost unavoidable. Um, I wonder how if the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. I wonder how the kingdom of God with us doesn't just survive, but but thrives in surprising ways uh, when, when we're not expecting it, uh, when, when we don't look like much or when we don't feel like much that God is still working. I wonder if that means that we're called to li- living lives uh, individually, but in our families, but also as a church that are, that are just kind of like, sneaky, low maintenance, kind of like too small to fail kind of lives. That, that it doesn't seem like much, but over time and together, God's making us into something significant. I wonder if Jesus um, sets this analogy up, this like impossibly and seemingly insignificantly small thing that becomes possible and significant I wonder if he's setting that up for us in the season of being separate. Uh, we're celebrating back to school, but all of our schools are dispersed. And some of us are actually even going to school. But so, most of us are, uh, you know, rolling out of bed. And some of us don't even change clothes all day or maybe for multiple days. How could the kingdom of God be happening in those environments? But I think it can. I think this parable says that it is. I also, when I read the parable, I wondered about Jesus's childhood. We don't know a whole lot about Jesus's childhood. There's some pretty wild gospels that actually do tell us about Jesus's childhood. And he was like making clay birds and then they would come alive and stuff. But I'm not, I'm not sure those are our best guide for, for what Jesus's childhood is like. They almost seem like hopeful projections of what someone who was full of divine life would do as a kid. But I wonder if Jesus's childhood was just so normal, it wasn't even worth writing about, you know, like, and, and I think that's good news for us. Um, it's good news that, that Jesus lived a life like ours. Like, I, I wonder what sort of things he liked to do in school. I wonder what sorts of things he struggled with. I wonder how Mary and Joseph sh- stewarded and shepherded him as he was learning and growing and having questions. I wonder what sort of like, uh, Meg talked about like virtue and character building that happens sneakily and like normally, but also miraculously. I wonder what that was happening 
in these like too mundane to record Bible uh, in the Bible stories um, that would then bring about this miracle of a human, this God man who would preach good news to the poor and ultimately suffer and die for sinners for us. Like someone like that doesn't just arrive out of thin air. A person like that is made um, and it's made through ordinary times and, and, and an ordinary life made extraordinary. I wonder if Jesus's whole life was something like the mustard seed, small and insignificant until it wasn't. <laughs> Until Jesus' life became big and verdant and vital and hospitable for others, for us. When, when the really beautiful artwork was being made by a, an artist named uh, Sadie, who's new to the area. I hope you guys will get a chance to meet her and, and, and know her. Um, her first draft came back and it, and it was wonderful, but it didn't have any birds. And I thought for the birds, because I think the birds unlock the key to this parable. Like, I, I think the idea that, that the mustard seed grows for the sake of providing shade and refuge and help and joy and flourishing for others is, is maybe the whole point of the whole thing. And, and that's my prayer for y'all, that, that we, we come in this season in, in, in these separate and small places to know the joy and the hope of the cross and the mustard seed kind of side by side. The, the, the cross and the mustard seed yeah, might like change, our, change our vision and change our expectations and change our understanding of what's going on in these like impossible and invisible times. So that's my prayer uh, for y'all. And that's, that's in, a, in a ways what we're enacting in a moment as we ask God's blessing on these small and mundane and normal things. Uh, when we sang with Kristen, we sang about, here I raise my Ebenezer. And that's such a, such a bizarre and kind of antiquated word, Ebenezer. Most of us think of Scrooge before we think of what it means. But in, in Hebrew, that means a stone um, of help, a stone of help. Eben is stone, help, uh, Ezer is help. And so it is a, a commemoration and kind of like a, a statue or a, an artifact of God's help. Uh, the, uh, the Israelites would build these small altars as memorials to help them remember where God had helped them and, and so that they could return over and over to these things and ask for God's help and, and, and draw on the like deep well of God's grace and loving kindness to them over the ages. And so in, in some ways that's, it's a little what we're doing, what we're creating out of these normal things, like, like the devices that we use that so often like distract us or separate us, but now we're relying on really deeply uh, for our everyday lives. Um, that's, that's what is happening when we raise up a notebook um, full of, uh, of our thoughts or our doodles. Um, we we are we are raising a an Ebenezer, a stone of help, a notebook of help, a device of help, and, and we're asking for help and we're remembering God's help. So I'm excited to do that with you. I invite you to um, put your videos on so that we can see you as we as we do this.
And, um, and but, but before we do, we're going to sing together. Uh, we're going to kind of bookend our blessing of the books with uh, some prayers that we're going to do by singing. And so Christian's going to lead us in a prayer that asks God to establish the work of our hands.